Hello again, everybody. This is Pastor Mark Page. Welcome back to my Word from God podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to my Word from God podcast. This is Pastor Mark Page, and I am so excited to share my heart with you from God's Word tonight. We're going to be talking about the betrayal and the trial, the arrest and the trial of Jesus before He uh, made His way to the cross, before He took our sin on His own back and shed His blood to cover it. This is going to be kind of a brief message because, um, to be honest with you, doing a podcast every day this week is really, um, I'm just poured out. So just pray, even for me, um, as I have tried to obey God with what He wants me to do this week, and I pray that you guys will do what God wants you to do with His Word. And as we talk about this message called Traitors and Trials, I just hope that we can take in the seriousness and the importance of the self-sacrificial love of Jesus and take that not just into our own hearts, but also to the world and to the lost. Jesus experienced total abandonment by everyone that he loved and even betrayal and arrest by one of his dear, closest friends. Before I get into this message tonight, I just had it on my heart to share um, a song with you called You Surround Me. And no matter where you are tonight, you can know this, that we have a God who is strong. We have a God who surrounds us with songs of deliverance. And His name is Yahweh. His Son's name is Jesus. He's given us His Holy Spirit. And so this song... Um, it talks about the war that we're in, and I think it's appropriate that even this song is right out of the Psalms, that God is our protector, He's our healer, that Jesus became um, betrayed. He became um, weak so that we could be strong. He became defenseless and beaten and scourged, and they scourged Him, and they even, when we are even our sin even killed Jesus so that He could surround us. He even looked at Jerusalem and said, oh, I, how I wish I could gather you in like a mother hen gathers her chicks. And Jesus has this immense love for his people. So before we even dive into his, God's word for just a minute, I want to share this song that I wrote with you called You Surround Me. This is a recording from 6-8 Worship, um, a band that I, I started about six months ago. Since I started this band, we've been able to record a full album called Living Water. It's on every streaming platform, including this song. So um, just a little promo. Go check out 6-8 Worship, like Isaiah 6-8 is our theme. Um, but before we dive into Traitors and Trials, I just want to share this with you. Wherever you are, you have a God that's there. It's the God of the Bible. It's the King of Kings.
I'm so thankful today that our God surrounds us, that he won the battle, he won the war for us. And all, although the battle does rage on, the war has been won. And we walk in victory today because of Jesus. Matthew 26 says this, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas. I had the opportunity to go to Caiaphas's house in Israel in the pit where they threw Jesus beneath his house. A stone pit is still there to this day. The place where they uh, bound his hands and scourged his back and beat him is still there to this day. And this is where Jesus is entering. He's entering into the literal presence of his enemies, like the song says, at the table of my enemies. The song and the psalm say that. And plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be a memorial to her, will be told as a memorial to her. I love Jesus' heart for women and his heart for um, the little things. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you going to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. Zechariah uh, 12 gives us an exact prophecy that this is going to happen. Check it out. So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread the disciples came to jesus saying to him where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the passover and now i'm going to skip because we've talked about the passover we talked about it already but i wanted to give you a little background on what the um the scribes and the pharisees were doing and what they were doing uh was plotting by trickery and lies and deceit to wrongfully convict Jesus and kill him. Jesus then institutes the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jesus tells Apostle Peter that he's going to deny him. Then Jesus prays in the garden. We talked about the Gethsemane last night. And then now in verse 47, the Bible says this, And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests, and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus with a kiss. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Oh, Jesus knew why he'd come. 
And then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand. And we know from another account that it was the apostle Peter. And drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must happen thus? In that hour Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And those who laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the priest's courtyard. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. We know in the Old Testament it says, Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. That's Isaiah. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, He is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face, and they beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you, or who is the one who struck you? All this suffering for me and for you. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You are also with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he died with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out, and he wept bitterly. I just want to share a few thoughts um, from this passage that I had when reading and praying about what to say. Um, First and foremost, I noticed that there are so many prophecies fulfilled um, in this passage I'm going to give you a couple of them that I think are really interesting, and then I'm going to actually give you a few um, thoughts for yourself as you try to follow Jesus, follow your Messiah. The first one, um, first prophecy relating to Christ's crucifixion that we find in this passage, Matthew 26, was in, is in Zechariah 11:12, and it says, And I said to them, If it is good in your sight, give me my wages, but if not, never mind. 
So they weighed out 30 shekels of silver as my wages. The second prophecy uh, that, that Jesus would be betrayed by a friend is in Psalm 55, 12 through 14. And it says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor it is one who hates me who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, and my familiar friend, we who had sweet fellowship together, walked in the house of God in the throng. In Matthew 26, 49 through 50, we saw that um, Judas walks up and basically says, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do you have what you have come for? And they seized Jesus. Um, there are so many more I could go into, but right now I just uh, I, I want to give you a few thoughts as you follow your Messiah, as you follow his heart and his footsteps in your life today. The first thought that I had was, uh, it's kind of a morbid thought, but don't take it in a morbid way. Just be aware um, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, expect betrayal at some level of your Christian walk. The fact of the matter is, if you're walking in the Spirit of God, then that the Holy Spirit that lives in you will not agree with someone who is bound by the enemy and bound by sin and chains. It's not going to um, make friends out of everybody you meet. I'm not saying not to love people. Even if they do betray you, you should love them. Jesus looked from the cross, and we'll see this tomorrow, and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The people in your life that have betrayed you, that have walked away uh, from you because of Jesus, need him more than anybody. So you can expect betrayal. In this case, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. It's such a, a horrible way, I think, that your own friend could turn against you. But somebody um, that's listening to this podcast today, you've been betrayed. You know the hurt of it. And I would say this, one of two things is going to happen when you, get when you get betrayed. The first thing and the most normal thing that happens is you get bitter. And then bitterness begins to lodge in your soul and grow. And then you see it defiles many, as the word says. Don't let a, a, a seed of bitterness take root in your heart, causing it to rise up and defile many. That Know this, that bitterness in your life affects and damages the people around you. If we're going to follow in the footsteps of Christ, we've got to do the second option. And that's just to forgive. That's to love. That's to be aware that things may not be the same, but you can still walk in Christ. And the fact of the matter was in this situation with Jesus, um, and, and my second thought um, is that Jesus loved his betrayers. And so, don't lose love because of betrayal. You will lose some trust. I think that's normal. You will feel pain. That's normal. But don't lose the love of God that is in you for that person because of what they've done. People are lost. They're broken. They're hurting. They're needy. And honestly... It's our job to be, to be like Christ for them. It's our job to walk in His Spirit. We see how Jesus loved His betrayers because even when the Apostle Peter struck the dude's ear off, 
he he says enough of this and in Luke twenty two fifty one we know that he reaches out and he heals the ear of this man. He even loved this this traitor, this um mob. He loved them enough to heal them. We have the same spirit of God in us. We have the same hope and the same ability to do um, these unnatural things. It's not natural to forgive someone who has wronged you. It's not natural in your humanity, your fleshliness, to, to love people who are attacking you. You don't have to agree with people who are attacking you. You don't have to um, be their best friend necessarily, but you are called to love them. Don't forget to love those who hurt you. And Jesus said that in the Beatitudes. Bless those who curse you. Love your enemies. In verse 52, it says, But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Jesus gives us a really short uh, parable here. And I would I would say it this way. Um, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Jesus was interested in us fighting our battles in the spiritual realm. And if that means laying down your life for the sake of the gospel without raising your hand to fight someone who needs the gospel, maybe that's what we have to do. In our case, it may not be that extreme, but I think the message is the same. Don't, and this is my next point, don't fight a spiritual war with a fleshly weapon or an earthly weapon, you won't win. In fact, our flesh, when it acts out, um, almost always damages the work that God wants to do in the spiritual realm and in the spiritual um, place of people's hearts. Next thing I want to say, next thought I had was that um, Jesus allowed himself to be betrayed. This is an interesting thought for us because we're not Jesus and we're not necessarily dying for the redemption of the whole world and for anyone who will believe, but um, how do we follow in his footsteps in that? And I think that the way that we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, when we look at verse 53, is to know this. God will strengthen you beyond what you are able to accomplish what only he can accomplish. But you must submit. Jesus said, Or do you not think that I cannot, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? And what he's saying is this Guys, we're not fighting this fleshly battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. Jesus was then at that point in time fighting for the hope of every man that would ever live. He's fighting for you. He was fighting for me. And if I'm going to reach people with this same Jesus, I've got to fight in the same way. I've got to take up the, the armor of God and fight the enemy. And the enemy is not the people that are around us. The enemy is not the church member that you don't like. The enemy is Satan. It is the devil the, the theme of, of really walking the footsteps of Jesus is responding to Satan as Satan and people as lost people. And don't forget the intention here. 
Why did Jesus walk so humbly? Could he have come as a lion? Could he have called his angels? Absolutely. But Jesus endured suffering so that somebody else could endure life. And I challenge you today, endure suffering as a good soldier so that somebody else can find and experience hope and life in Christ. My next thought is this. Um, Don't be surprised when the enemy uses blatant lies to try to destroy your ministry. He doesn't care about your feelings. He doesn't care about the truth. If he can get people to believe a lie, that's where he'll go. The way that we combat the lie, though, is with the truth. By both knowing it, preaching it, and then also living it. Live it out. And I just challenge you guys to live out the truth. And I could break down every verse. We could pull so much amazing truth out of this passage, but I just want to kind of walk in our minds together for just another minute or two um, through the next steps of Jesus's life at this point. He's brought to Caiaphas's house. I've been there. I've uh, I've seen the pit where they placed Jesus. I've seen the place where they would have um, locked or tied his hands and these holes in the rocks and spread him out and then beat him and scourged him. And we know that they make a mockery of him. They they blaspheme him and saying, if you're the Christ, prophesy to us and and basically curse him. And he has to endure this ridicule. And he does it with his mouth shut and his heart open. They missed the Messiah. He was there in the, in, the, in the high priest's house in Jerusalem. Should have been a celebration, a party, uh, a, a rejoicing that the king was here. Instead, this, in this moment, you have uh, the one who man has instituted to be the high priest of a religion. Where, and you also have the, the Messiah that this Old Testament and this religion has preached and proclaimed for thousands of years in the same room. And instead of a joyful celebration, you have an assault on the holiness of God and the perfection of Jesus so that scripture would be fulfilled. Don't miss your Messiah today. Find him. Search for him. The word says that you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. You'll seek me and you'll find me. When they um, cursed Jesus and asked him if he was the Messiah, and when he said that he was, essentially at that point he sealed his own death. Knowingly, like a lamb led to the slaughter, knowingly laid down his life, laid down everything. And so the next thought that I have is this. Even when you know that you will be rejected for Christ, preach Him anyway. (laughs) Preach the light of Christ. Preach the hope that we have in Jesus. Preach that uh, He's the good shepherd that wants to take us in His arms. He wants to gather us into His arms. And uh, tell people, 
that you've received the spirit of adoption. You've been adopted by a heavenly father that loves you by the blood of his son. That that Tell people the hope that God gave his son for you and, and God gave his son for me and that God gave his son for them so that they don't have to live in what they're living in anymore. And you might be rejected. And even when you know you're going to be, my encouragement is this. The gospel is still the power of God. And you might not reach somebody in that moment, but I will tell you this, the word of God does not return void. When it goes out, it makes a difference. The, the foundations of hell shake and people's lives are changed. So in the name of Jesus, go out this week. Don't miss your Messiah. Don't miss the opportunities that he gives you to reach people. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't back down. Stand up, rise up, lest you enter and pray, lest you enter temptation and let's fight this battle together. Even when we know that we might be destroyed, even when we know that we will be destroyed, my encouragement to you is to take up your cross. Let's follow Jesus all the way. Don't miss a single footstep. And finally, we see Peter, the apostle Peter, deny Christ three times. And even with curses and threats and anguish and anger, he denies him. In fact, Jesus uh, was being beaten in Caiaphas's house while the apostle Peter was outside of the house looking in, in the courtyard. See, the apostle Peter followed Jesus. He, he, the, the word says that they all scattered quickly, which they did after Judas and the mob betrayed and took Jesus. Um. But the Apostle Peter, the Bible says, followed at a distance. And I'll say this. It's just a thought I'm, I'm having even in this moment. I didn't prepare this, but it's a lot harder to obey God when we follow Jesus at a distance. When we see the suffering of Jesus from a distance, it looks scary. When we see the the power of God from a distance, it seems unattainable or unreachable. And that's the place that we find ourselves like the Apostle Peter outside of the wall in the courtyard, wanting to go in, but fearful to go in. Wanting to surrender all, but still holding on to something that the world has us in. Don't deny Jesus. Jesus himself said, if you deny me in front of your friends, I'll deny you in front of my heavenly father. If you've failed and you have denied Jesus, and I think all of us have, whether it's by the way that we lived or the way that we talked or the way that we acted or something we did or just simple sin, the challenge is to repent and to turn back to the hope that we have in Christ, to run back to the throne of grace. The difference in our situation, in the Apostle Peter's situation, is that a physical mob was dragging Jesus away. And that made his decision to run a little more like a fight-or-flight decision. In our culture, in the United States, and I think around the world it is different. I think that um, in Syria and in other places where there's a lot more persecution, and even in Africa... Um, where militants frequently attack Christians. There's, there's, a, there's more of a, um, 
I'm just going to stand here and die for Christ. But for us, we get distanced from God by the most unreasonable things. And I think some of those things that will just cause distance between us and our God and cause us to start to question and even to deny Him, um, at least in my life, I think one of those things is over-information. The sheer fact that we let Jesus become another part of our week rather than being our God. We let Him become another part of our day instead of being the Lord of all of our days. And so I challenge you to think of the top three things that are causing you to feel the distance that you feel between you and God, whether it's your cell phone, whether it's money, whether it's your marriage, whatever the thing is, and, and, and work on that thing. If it's your phone, get rid of that thing. If it's your marriage, the best thing that you can do for your wife or your husband, and I really believe this, is get right with Jesus and go to the secret place with God so that you can better love them and that you guys can, that some of the tension that you're feeling in your home, because Satan hates marriage, wants to destroy it, that some of that tension will be resolved when you are right. It's so easy to just look at uh, those around us or, or to look at our situations and let them consume us and then even uh, to blame or as Peter did to deny. You see, the apostle Peter didn't deny Jesus until he was outside of the wall, outside of the house. In the safety of the upper room, Jesus said, I'll never deny you. In the distance, he did three times. We see that he wept bitterly, and if you know the story of the Apostle Peter, he did what many ministers do when they, when they fall out of ministry. He just went back to what he knew. He went back to catching fish. And so I challenge you today, I don't know why the Lord's leading me here in my heart, but if you're the person who God called to do something and then got discouraged or got distanced or felt alone or started to doubt and you went back to something that you knew before Christ, I believe that Jesus wants to pull you back into the calling that he has for you because he is faithful to a thousand generations and he, he still wants you to obey him with the mission that he gave you when things were good. Just because heartache comes and hardship comes doesn't mean the mission stops. You are a child of God. Step out of the boat. Step out of the fear. Step out of the, the lie that you could never go back to ministry or the lie that you could never go into ministry and walk into what God has for you, believing that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that he endured all of these things for you. All of this rejection, abandonment, betrayal, crucifixion, death for you. But he lives today to give you the power to stand up and to rise up and pray lest you enter temptation. So I challenge you today as we've talked about traitors and trials. He goes through this battering trial at Caiaphas's house and tomorrow we'll see that he goes into a, a, a full-blown Roman trial and he's quiet. He endures because Jesus knew one thing, that if he endured the trial at hand, he was going to go be in the glory of his Father. Last thing I'll say is this, the glory 
of living in the presence and the hope of God should drive us to endure the trial we're in. Look forward. You're a citizen of a better country, of a heavenly country. You have a home in heaven. God has a plan for you. Trust it and trust him. Thank you guys so much for listening uh, to my podcast. God bless you. Thank you for uh, staying with me this week. And I just pray that you would uh, share this, like this, comment, subscribe, all those things. Share this with one person this week that you think needs to hear these words. Thank you so much.